0: This podcast is being recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present, and acknowledge their ongoing connection to land, waters, and culture. Colonization and genocide are ongoing processes that are still happening today. Sovereignty was never ceded, and this always was, and always will be, Aboriginal land. (laughs) Hey, hey, and welcome back to Ozpol Snackpod, the podcast that is kind of like a paleo diet in that it's a lot of hard work, and it kind of gives you the shits. <laughs> is that the joke? I forgot the, the joke that you uh, queued up for me. Uh,
1: I My one was, uh, it's hard work, and it makes you feel like shit. Um, but, you know, I think either It's works. all good, yeah. Yeah, that's a... Uh, Crude's reference, even though I was more of a Gogs fan growing up. But yes, we are Pod. We bring you bite-sized chunks of Australian news and politics with a side of crispy memes, and we are also the official podcast of the OzPol shitposting Facebook group. My name is Zach Snack, and with me, as always, is my bosom buddy and fellow (laughs) troglodyte.
0: It's me, Noon. I do aspire to troglodytism, so yeah, that's correct. If you
1: were a member of the family from the famous movie Crudes, which mm-hmm. of the characters do you think we, you would be?
0: Well, having definitely seen that film, both when it was released in cinemas and again, you know, recently. Every year, really. I, I can confidently say it was um one of the kids.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. We need to send a huge shout out to our new patrons this week. Thank you so much to Vanessa and Hon. Uh, who signed up over Thank on Patreon, you. and you can do it as well if you want to get a monthly bonus episode, plus other stuff. It helps us keep the show sustainable. It helps us pay for our transcriptions, and that's a reminder as well that we put up transcriptions of the show every week as well if you want to read it or you know someone else who would prefer to read it rather than listen to it. You can visit com and find transcripts of the episodes there. Uh, before we dive into uh like deeper stories this week um there's a few headlines that I wanted to touch on that we're not going to discuss in detail but I still kind of thought it would be important to point out um it has been an absolutely foul fucking week in the
0: news yeah and
1: they ha it's been foul weeks for a while now last but 150 last- years or so yes but the last couple of weeks have been pretty unusually bad even mm. by the standards of this disgusting colony um yeah so here's a few things that happened this week uh the liberal party and the labor party teamed up to pass two fantastic new pieces of legislation one which allocates 50 million dollars for new gas projects in the northern territory cool and the other is uh identify and disrupt legislation which gives cops new powers oh yeah yeah New, new powers for cops i mean who doesn't love that uh, it's going to give the cops powers to like modify and delete data and also take over people's social media accounts, like if Sick. they need to as part of an investigation, or if they want to. Yeah, which, you know, grand great. Uh, oh, yeah, the first neo Nazi to have his passport cancelled on national security grounds is a former Australian soldier. Surprise. Um, yeah, which I deeply shocking, especially if you uh, listen to Lewis's account last week of what mm. he described as basically the perfect context for radicalizing someone, which was. Sending them over to Afghanistan. And uh, on a related note, on a a related and also disturbing note, a witness in the Brereton report has had their house bombed, which is cooked. And the the police do admit that they, quote, dropped the ball on this one. So at least they um, took the L, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) And also this week, CFMMEU boss, he's the Victorian, head of the Victorian. Yeah section right One yeah john sections, setka yeah. um career piece of shit and uh established misogynist is being investigated over domestic violence john step down you fucking piece of shit you stain on the union movement um maybe we'll go into more detail about that story next week not a huge amount is out about it at this point but we know enough mm. to say fuck john setka today and for all time
0: yeah i would say yeah but those are the uh those are the ones that didn't make the cut uh now we're going to move on to what I can only assume are a bunch of really nice and cool stories.
1: Well, yeah, I thought that um, this week, because there's so much awful news that we could do kind of like, you know, we try to do the positivity corner uh, every week where we bring one positive story. And I've sprinkled a couple of like mini positivity corners throughout the uh the show this week, so hopefully that will take the sting out of some of the more heinous stuff that we talk about, because a few of this week's stories are really rough, um, but we'll give you a heads up before we talk about them. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Noon, why don't we get into our first story?
0: It was the best of takes. It was the blurst of takes, you stupid monkey! <laughs> uh, Yeah, so I don't know if this is a take exactly, but Craig Kelly has joined Clive Palmer's United Australia party, which is just like uh like a a swirl of ice cream of of shit and something else disgusting <laughs> in a in a oh, in Jesus. a wonderful sunday of conservative australian politics uh and, and yeah so to celebrate he's been sending out text messages to people that say you can never trust the liberals labor or greens again authorized by Craig Gell, United Australia party click on this link um
1: it is it- the ultimate like combo in uh boomer brain posting politicians you know yes. the fact that craig kelly is now signing off clive palmer's unsolicited text a messages tweet, is blasts, really... uh,
0: text plus yeah <laughs> that's a good point yeah i mean clive palmer's ability to pay millions of dollars for pointless newspaper ads that everyone resents but not his workers and craig kelly's ability to send incoherent rants about the coronavirus are uh, just it's a meeting of great minds they're
1: forming a disgusting vulture
0: Obviously, I I rarely ask our listeners to have sympathy for the members of Parliament, but I think actually in this case, some of them have suffered even worse in this particular merger than the people receiving these text messages, because he's also sent out an email blast to every single MP in Parliament, um, presumably also to celebrate his, you know, arrival in the United Australia Party, one of the most united parties of all time.
1: The traditional yeah. celebratory email
0: blast yeah, and this is what it, pretty much the most chain maily email i've seen since y two k it's got like indented blocks in different colored font, and like it's great, but basically <laughs> it says that vaccines don't stop don't stop transmission of of the coronavirus, the implication being presumably that we shouldn't vaccinate, which is weird because if it like it doesn't stop transmission but it does reduce severity of symptoms but also the 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 doctor that the
1: chance that you will die yeah yeah
0: yeah there's a a post going around recently being like people being like it doesn't even protect you from the virus just stops you dying it's like yeah that seems like a good thing
1: protection from the viruses. yeah i'd say Uh, there's one main job that a vaccine has and that's (laughs) probably it
0: yeah (laughs) um but yes the the doctor that he quotes is like widely regarded as a bit of a a crackpot, uh, and all of his former employers are like, yeah, don't listen to him. Um, so, yeah. Good one, good one, Craig Kelly. Good one, Clive. Meeting of the minds. Sure to be, uh, a step forward for Australia.
1: At least they're fucking all in one place now. Well, uh, yeah,
0: that's true, yes. They'll have to sit <laughs> you know... next door to each other in Parliament.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll give them a month tops before he oh, yeah. starts no, his own no, no. party well
0: after the election obviously if he gets oh, re-elected true, true. yeah yeah yeah, a month yeah, after yeah the he, election. that sounds right this is me. a real last ditch you know stay in parliament yeah, yeah which
1: like it still seems pretty fucking far-fetched to me but we'll see we'll see
0: how he goes all right um uh, all right
1: positivity corner. here's our first little uh mini positivity corner that i wanted to mention uh, abortion's will be made available at all Tasmanian public hospitals, with three regional hospitals going to be offering the service from mm. early October. Um, so this is great news because currently people who don't live in Hobart in Tasmania have to travel a huge distance to Hobart mm-hmm. to get an mm-hmm. abortion, which often means you know leaving behind your family or your support network, or you know it's and also yeah. it can be very expensive. And this is uh, you know a problem across the country, worse especially in you know in rural well, areas, in mainland Australia. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It can be, you know, even though getting an abortion might be like legal and people might not be able to like protest outside abortion clinics, it can still be, you know, ridiculously Hundreds expensive. Of kilometers away,
0: whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, time and effort and energy, all that. Anyway, so that's a really good thing that's happening. um And that's a good thing. That's one mm-hmm. good thing. Um, let's talk about some other uh, less good things.
0: Hey, man, I've got some more beers. Oh, I don't know if I can drink anymore. I'm feeling kind of sick. No, come on. We're having another round of Coronas. Oh, I think you said we were going to talk about some bad news, Zach. Um, oh. But don't worry. Uh, Gladys uh, has been promising that the New South Wales lockdown will end within a month. Um, oh, great. And, and, and New South Wales Health is no longer reporting the number of linked and unlinked cases or the isolation status at 11 a.m. each day. Um, Oh, so great. don't. So that that's all good.
1: We, we'll, we'll be hearing about less linked cases then.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, right. the, the spokesperson for New South Wales Health said to uh, 9news.com.au, uh, with current case volumes, this data is not a meaningful representation of case investigations. So, cool. Uh, I think that just means we aren't actually looking into all of them, so we sh- aren't putting them all up, but who can okay. say? Yes. Yeah. So there's been well over a thousand cases several days this week. And some experts have said that we're likely to be seeing 6,000 new daily cases in New South Wales within a month.
1: Jesus Christ. Uh,
0: but yes, despite that, as I said, Gladys has been out promising the lockdown will end within about a month when the 70% of uh, the population is fully vaccinated. Mm. Um, uh one Professor Bennett says that the transition would be gradual and various public health measures would remain in place perhaps for some years. Um, but of course, who's he? Who's sorry, who's that? Ah, uh, he's just some epidemiologist. What would he know? Um, <laughs> uh, this is a quote from this uh, yeah, Channel 9 article. Um, right. Uh, but but yeah, basically she's like, don't worry, it'll it w- we'll finish it up in in a month when we've hit this seventy percent, and like this has been the plan federally for ages. Yeah, but it just like Professor Bennett and others are kind of being like, is that going to happen? And if it is, is that going to be a good idea? Um, but it doesn't matter, of course, because Gladys is actually already easing restrictions for people with the vaccine, uh, at least in. Um, some of the more wealthy, uh, whiter, and healthier places and people uh, of Sydney, uh, while Western Sydney is still under siege by the military. Um, hmm. Yeah. Well,
1: I mean, that just happens to be where people have more vaccines and are less likely to have
2: COVID. Hmm. Right? Hmm. Hmm. Probably no hmm. connection.
0: Yes. Now, I'm no epidemiologist, but I somehow feel like reducing restrictions is likely to increase the number of new cases. It's just a wild guess.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, you, you're almost certainly right. I mean, But I can also see, I don't know, I, this being potentially a motivator to get vaccinated, you know, for people who, you know, have been hesitant for one reason or another. Sure, like, you sure. can go and have a picnic with, yep. you know, four friends you know, yeah, I'd that'll... take that over 300 bucks, depending on the friends, but yeah,
0: hmm. anyway, that's the Sydney situation. Uh, meanwhile, in Queensland, they're building a quarantine facility, uh, which they they had originally planned to do with help from the federal government, but the feds have pulled out of it. Um, so they're just building it by themselves. And any interstate or international travelers who have been in a COVID hotspot will have to quarantine there. So that's, um, I don't know we've sort of seen Western Australia go off by themselves during the pandemic. And it looks like Queensland yeah. is kind of being like, well, we're not getting any fucking help from Scott Morrison. Maybe we'll just do that as well. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I That's not, there's not really more news there. It's just a, a, a brief thing. Um, and also in the COVID corner, I wanted to uh, shout out Luca for sending this article in the Snackpod discord, which you get access to if you are a patron, uh, but the COVID Safe app, which probably all everyone remembers um, from last year, was you know from a lot of all the times that we used it. Exactly, yeah, yeah, because everybody <laughs> downloaded it and used it a lot. Everybody was yeah. on it
1: every day. Yeah, you
0: might. Yeah, it cost the government about eight million dollars to produce. Um, and according to the Canberra Times, quote: "No new close contacts had been uncovered by the app in the Victorian Queensland outbreaks, and it was adding up to two hours in contact tracing workloads for little to no benefit." Um. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Jesus if there's Christ. one thing that you can't criticize the Liberal Party for, it's spending millions of dollars on useless shit.
1: Yeah, or uh, like actively bad shit that is. Yeah, making yeah, yeah. The job of contact tracing. Hey, harder. could you spend
0: two hours just like slapping yourself between each case that you investigate? That would be cool. But don't
1: work. Like that eight million dollars is you know huge boost to the economy. That's going right back into the lifeblood of the country. So <laughs>
2: that's right. That's such a good point.
1: Yeah, (laughs) you got to look on the bright side here
0: Uh, Okay, now quite excitingly We have a potluck
1: Oh, we haven't had one of these in a while This is where a listener such as you Sends us in a little bit of audio Of themselves talking about something related to the show Or news or politics or memes Or really whatever they want And we most likely play it on the show When we
0: receive it Mm -hmm. Uh, So where do we hit that sting? Potluck Where you bring the snacks well, excitingly, Zach, we kind of have a second sting because our our caller this week is Nathan who um is a a, a friend of the show, friend confidant, member of our inner sanctum, uh mm-hmm. and a uh, a shadowy financier as well, I should add. Um oh, yes. pull, pulling the strings in the background um and sometimes letting us use his Zoom account. Um but uh he's also a and I use this term with all fondness, maths nerd. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I remember he used to come over
1: and uh I would be really baked and he would tell me maths stuff that would basically just blow my mind for half an hour. And then like
0: you wouldn't be able to remember a single word of it.
1: Yeah, I know that he explained to me why point nine repeater equals one yes. once. Um yes. I don't remember how or why, but I remember at the time being like that's, that's fucked.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is fucked. Um Yeah. <laughs> it's it's almost the way that you get there that's worse than the actual fact <laughs> itself. But um my Nathan listened to us having a struggle with basic arithmetic and um Which thought he'd st- could have been
1: almost any episode of this show.
0: Yeah, correct. And he he thought uh because there's been a bunch of bad stats in the news recently. I don't think he was specifically critical of our stats that we were giving. Um, but he thought it might be useful to just, I don't know, have some maths comments about stats in the news. So he made a little sting of us uh, being bad at maths, a little compilation.
1: Here's the Noonan Zach bad at maths sting provided by Shadowy, Shadowy Financier Nathan. Two-thirds,
0: 50%, Half, 25%, 50%. Uh, no, 50%, well, 50% like, ve- <laughs> people don't come to this show for simple mathematics. <laughs> uh, and they shouldn't. But maybe now they can, thanks to Nathan's potluck. So here, here it is.
2: With the pandemic, of course, maths has been in the news a lot because there's a lot of stats being thrown around. And everyone sort of is familiar with this idea that stats can be made to lie. But it's very hard to notice when they are lying because when they're lying, you notice it. And then when they're lying and you don't notice it, you're just like, oh, that seems like a reasonable stat. So I thought I would say something when I noticed, uh, not exactly lying, but something that was perhaps misleading. So on the pod last week, there was this discussion about the... uh, 25% transmission outside of homes and 75% of transmission inside of homes with relation to closing playgrounds. And of course, we don't really have any way to stop transmission inside of homes. There's no lever we can pull. There's no policy that will stop it short of quarantining family members in different rooms, which means that the transmission that we care about, the transmission that we can affect, the transmission that policies can prevent is just that 25%. So what we should really do is sort of expand that 25% to the whole 100% of relevant transmission, um, which means that all of the actual numbers are four times larger. So if we knew what the playground transmission rate was, we should actually multiply it by four to get the sort of effective, like, stoppable transmission or the impact of how much transmission we would stop if we stopped transmission in playgrounds. I just felt like that wasn't sort of made clear. So to take a more extreme case, if 99% of transmission happened in homes and 1% happened outside, then like a feasible figure for playgrounds transmission might be 0.1%. But actually, you have to multiply that by 100 now. So that would be 10% of all stoppable transmission happening in playgrounds, as an example.
0: That's some quick maths right there. (laughs) Much
1: quicker than either you or I could do maths. I think it, Nathan makes a great point in the sense that I, this is why I find find the discussion... I mean, you know, the playgrounds thing is maybe not the best example.
0: Right, because um, we actually don't know if there is any transmission happening at playgrounds. We think not that we know of.
1: Right, and they claim a lot of transmission is happening in homes, but as Nathan says, you know, there's little to nothing we can do about that. So where, you know, the other main source of transmission is workplaces which we actually can do a whole lot about but like you know oh it's less than technically less than in homes well like those cases have to fucking come from somewhere this is what you know anyway i think nathan is in a roundabout mathematical kind of way while also lightly roasting us basically agreeing (laughs) with with our point that like you know there are uh places where we can actually do things to control transmission Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and, and so those we... are
0: the ones that we should pay attention to. And, yeah. <clears throat> yes. Government. Government, you're on blast. All right. So if you have a like or you want to rant to us, just record yourself talking into your phone for uh, roughly one minute. Please try to keep it to roughly one minute. And email it to us at contact at Uh And just remember to take the cover off your phone. Because um, otherwise, it'll sound like I'm talking like this
1: yeah and make sure to turn it sideways. We only use landscape audio on the show.
0: Cool, let's move on. Yes, this is just another quick one. Uh, we love it when uh cool strike action happens when workers uh, you know act in solidarity uh, together to get collective results and um, this weekend, toll workers are striking um, uh, seven thousand transport the workers... company toll yes, yes, the company toll group. The workers thereof, who drive trucks and are members of the Transport Workers Union, are striking for 24 hours this weekend. Uh, and this is part of an enterprise bargaining process. So last year, the TWU, the Transport Workers Union, agreed to forego a pay rise um, for the people working at Toll these 7,000 drivers, because, you know, there was a pandemic and they were like, sure, we'll all, you know pitch in but this year they're demanding a, a better one than the a pretty measly one that toll has proposed um because they were like hey we actually didn't get one last year so how about giving us a reasonable one this year instead of a tiny one mm. um and so uh, according to the abc the strike action is occurring because negotiations broke down because toll wants to cut overtime for permanent staff and use short-term contractors and workers from labor hire firms on lower wages Man, um,
1: it's the same old fucking song with these people every time.
0: Yep. Yep. It's just like, hey, um, how about instead of paying our workers, we pay other less well-qualified people much worse in more dangerous conditions. And give um, them much less secure working status. Employment, hey, yeah. Hey,
1: great. It's Everybody a win-win-win for me.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Win-win-win for me, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and the union said drivers depend on overtime to make their job viable, so... Another cool
1: element of jobs.
0: Yes. Yeah. We're not going to pay like even the actual full-time workers with this rise. It's not going to be enough. So we need to do overtime. Yeah. I mean, trucking. I think it's you know sort of an unusual industry in that you do have to do overtime all the time anyway. Mm. But yeah. Anyway, solidarity with those striking workers. Um,
1: Yeah. Huge solidarity. Negotiations. Uh, The. Conditions under which people can strike legally are extremely narrow. Um, so, you know, I think get hype whenever it does happen. Yeah. Also, illegal strikes are good too. Just yeah. saying. Yeah. Moving on.
0: Shit of the week.
1: So, yeah, Noon, you mentioned earlier the idea of opening up at 70% and that mm. this is kind of like a federal plan that basically the states have agreed to. Um, you know, with the federal government, there's this four-phase plan. Um, so it's actually two
0: phases that are divided into one A and B. divided and into four, yeah. Two A and B,
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, that's how you know it's a really good plan, when you've got letters and numbers in combination. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this plan was developed, like, before shit really hit the fan in New South Wales with the Delta yeah. variant, and... Um, and look, speaking of Nathan and numbers, uh, I am, and I don't think you are either, Noon, in any kind of position. Sixteen, to like
0: pon- three.
1: Oh yeah, you nailed it. One hundred twenty-seven. Uh, <laughs> to pon- <laughs> shut up, Jesus. Um, to pontificate on <laughs> that's a deep cut. Um, I don't think we're either either of us is really in in a position to to comment on like uh the validity of certain modeling or studies or whatever Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. people are debating you know this this, um, modeling was put together by the doherty institute which is like a medical research institute Mm -hmm. based in melbourne i'm pretty sure and the modeling was done kind of based on like 30 cases a day as opposed to you know in excess of a thousand. They say that that doesn't change the modeling. And Scott Morrison says that that doesn't change the modeling. And then Anthony Albanese asked him in parliament, oh, can you show us the advice that shows that that doesn't change the modeling? And Scott Morrison said, oh, it was oral. So, (laughs) you know, take from that what you will. But in in any event, Morrison is very keen to have restrictions start to ease at 70% of the adult Mm -hmm. population vaccinated. You know, Mm -hmm. not 70% of total population, adult population. No,
0: yeah. Don't worry about the fact that more than half of the people who are in hospital at the moment are under the age of 30.
1: Do not worry about it. Stop worrying about it, listen. Stop worrying about it. If you're
0: worrying about it, pause the show until you've finished worrying. Not allowed more (laughs) jokes with Noon and Zach. No more snack pot
1: until you stop stop stressing the fuck out. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, they want to ease restrictions at 70% and basically almost completely do away with them at 80% of yeah. adult population vaccinated. So states all agreed to that and then dealt with that happened. other 20% of people. So yes. I'm not an
0: epidemiologist. I don't know what's going to happen to the 20%. It's just, I'm very well, cynical. That, Sorry, please continue.
1: I mean, yeah, fuck them. Um, but the states are now basically being like, hmm, we actually may still want to keep our borders closed and do lockdowns even if we get to 70% because we're like seeing over a thousand cases a day in New South Wales alone, Um, which is a great position for Scott Morrison to be in politically because he gets to be the guy being like, hey, I want to give you all your tasty treats, but these evil state premiers just won't (laughs) let me be the nice guy that you all know me to be. So, you know, credit where it's due in terms of political maneuvering. Anyway, so he was talking about this Monday this week, And Mm -hmm. he used this phrase, you know, we can't stay in the cave forever. Uh huh. And this was, uh, you know, him talking about. I think specifically he was singling out Western Australia, who, you know, Mark McGowan keeps talking about how he wants to beat the shit out of the virus with a spike bat and that kind of thing. Um, But uh, then Tuesday morning, smile. (laughs) Exactly. And on Tuesday morning. Scott Morrison said this on, oh, what's the Channel 9 one? Today's show. You know, it's like that movie in The Croods. People wanted to stay in the cave. Some wanted to stay in the cave. And that young girl, she wanted to go out and, and live again and deal with the challenges of living in a different world. Well, COVID is a new, different world. And we need to get out there and live in it. We can't stay in the cave and we can get out of it safely. That's what the plan does.
0: Well, you just you meandered to an area I never in my life thought you would meander to. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, to, just to be clear... I um, like the movie. No, no. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Yeah, it's funny. Who works the Croods? Yeah,
1: and look, I think everybody probably knows about Croods posting at this point. Um, <laughs> There's been some uh, good know, content. There has been. Um, I mean, it's funny to me that Morrison, like, jumped the gun and used the cave analogy before he'd, like, talked about the crudes in public. Um Use the Kevin analogy on Monday, mention the crudes on Tuesday, and that makes it very clear to me that this was like a planned strategy. You know, he was like, like,
0: You know what's going to be relatable? The crudes. Yeah, I'm going and to like, set this up and knock it down.
1: And so, you know, and it's faintly ridiculous. He's there, you know, goofing around on the Today Show with Carl Stefanovic, like, Oh, well, I'm just, you know, I like the movie. And it does mm-hmm. make it very clear to me that it's like, it's planned. But here, here here's the thing I don't give a fuck. There is so little joy in this pandemic, and I don't care if Croods posting is a psyop. I'm sorry, I fucking love Croods posting. And this week, shit post of the week goes to Morgan for some amazing Croods posting. Um, so this is the uh, kind of stock standard visual interpretation of Plato's mm-hmm. cave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, noon, yep. Yep. Plato's cave.
0: Um. Uh, Plato thought that uh, the world that we experience every day is uh, an illusion. And as a metaphor for this, he came up with this idea of the cave where everyone's watching like, you know, finger puppets, uh, shadow puppets on the on the wall of the cave. And they're like, oh, that's the real world. But then sometimes you can be a philosopher and go out of the cave and be like, oh, my God, the sun is here. And in this case, you'd be witnessing,
1: uh, oh, God is waving around a big poster with the crudes on it. Um, because Morgan has uh, redone Plato's cave so that it is uh, Scott Morrison holding up the Croods, which is casting a shadow onto the wall, being watched by Australia, which says, we must move forwards, not backwards. And uh, again, prime example of why memes are a visual, not an audio format. Yes, because <laughs> this is a great
0: meme and we've done it no justice.
1: <laughs> no justice at all. Uh, but I want, you know, I love the Croods posting. There's so much crudes posting going on. We all know and love the crudes. We will relate to the Croods. And what can you say? I mean, Morrison's got his finger on the pulse. Uh,
0: <laughs> I suggested to Zach, maybe we watch the Croods for our next bonus episode, because despite what I said up top, I have not seen it, and I've got no fucking clue about it. So, <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, I haven't seen it either, but... Um... I believe that the central metaphor of the film is really about uh, kids like breaking with tradition and disobeying their elders, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you know, who have conservative values. You should values, really watch so.
0: A Quiet Place too. Um, yeah, so I've heard. Sounds like it might reflect the crudes and also is our coronavirus s- situation.
1: Isn't that the same more different to A Silent Place too?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's the. the both the same and different. Yeah. Was... <laughs>
1: okay, gotcha. Noon, I mean, there was another Morgan meme you wanted to shout out this
0: week. Yes, it was. And this was really a shitpost of the week of our hearts, because um, it's extremely self-indulgent. Um, but this is that famous meme of Spider-Man pointing at the other Spider-Man, except one of them is being replaced by a Superman. And then <laughs> are, are superimposed on is the, the text. This film is dedicated to the brave Mujahideen fighters of Afghanistan. And, uh... Morgan, I just wanted to say thank you so much for um wonderfully uh, referencing so many of my mistakes that I made all in one extremely crumbulent meme. Um, <laughs> I feel like it stands on its own as well, like even contextless there's a certain yeah I mean the less I it.
1: understand the meme, the more I appreciate the meme in that's general. true, but also yeah. this is great because it roasts you in like three different ways if you it don't does. know what we 're talking about, listener, then you know, clearly didn't listen to last week's episode, and I'm not going to make you do that, but you might just have to sit this one out. Um, and just as a little honorable mention for Shit post of the Week, these we had a couple here that were nominated by Chris Ritchie, and uh, a couple of photoshops by Benjamin Lee of this uh, photo of Mark McGowan, Premier of Western Australia, wearing a Western Australian Letterman jacket. Yeah. It says WA on it. And there was some kind of thirsty headline from like, I don't know, you know, some online some outlet Twitter being like, whatever, Danny McGowan really slaps in this sharp letterman or whatever. And uh, anyway, Benjamin, Dunn has, Benjamin Lee has turned out a couple of nice photoshops of this one, which makes the jacket read W-A-N-K. Which um, yeah, it's which very good. pretty funny. And then <laughs> the other one, which was... Uh, now it reads W-A-A-A. And McGowan's head has been replaced by popular video game character Wario. And I have never played a game with Wario in it, but I believe really? that yeah. he says, Wah!
0: Yeah, and every time I listen to any song by Shaggy, I imagine Wario, because he goes, Wah! Wah! a lot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, there's a cr- fucking crossover meme waiting to happen. Fantastic. Thank you for your posting this week, everybody. Thanks,
0: everyone. It's been quality. It's we, been keeping it, it us spirits really,
1: up. It has. We do really appreciate it. Um, And that's enough uh, butchering of quality content for this week's (laughs) Shitpost of the Week segment. Uh, Why don't we get on to butchering some news instead?
0: Yeah, so according to the SBS, approximately, uh, quote, approximately 33 refugees across Melbourne, Darwin, and Brisbane have been released from detention since Sunday. Um, I don't know why it's approximately such a specific number, but sure. (laughs) one family from iran has spent the last nine and a half years in jail and are now able to move about with you know much more freedom um they're in community detention which essentially means that the government says you know they have to live in a particular place um but they can go and live you know relatively normal lives shopping seeing people um accessing electronic devices choosing their own medical professionals all of the things that you might think might be involved in living a normal life that Hmm. they have been denied for the last yes, nine and a half years. Yeah. Um, but of course being out of jail is not enough. Um, and these people are still vulnerable. They're still marginalized and they have spent nearly a full decade in prison and offshore prison camp camps. Um, and so there's a, a fundraiser being organised by Refugee Solidarity Me Engine slash Brisbane, uh, which we'll link to in the show notes. So if you have money to spare, please consider giving it to these families to help them, yeah, set up their new lives and to get treatment for the many horrors that our shitty country has inflicted on them.
1: Please do. Uh, Time to move on to our next segment, Noon. Yep. AC. What have those dirty bastards been doing this week, Noon?
0: Yeah, well, the police have been using really horrifying degrees of violence against the anti-lockdown protesters this week. Um, and this is a very tricky issue to talk about. We spent a whole hour asking Tom to, you know, uh, talk about it for us in our Two uh-huh. tom 2 Tanicky" episode a few weeks ago. Probably, I think, a lot of... We got new listeners from there, so thanks if you're sticking around after finding us through Tom... But I mean, yeah, he spends all of his time carefully talking about this and um, has some good takes on it. But yeah, it's tricky to talk about because the protesters were also doing some super cooked shit um, mm. aside from, you know, uh, the fact that all, there was a lot of Nazis there. Um, uh, Which,
1: I gotta say, that's a real letdown.
0: That's a big thumbs down, <laughs> in my opinion.
1: Yeah. yeah. We 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 identified when we spoke to Tom that there was like, you know, a strong right wing contingent within this anti-lockdown movement and that they were poised to, you know, help radicalise people further, right? But still, you know, actual Nazis? (laughs) Guys.
0: It's bad. Yeah, um, but the the worst thing that, like, sort of actually happened there was that they were assaulting people who were waiting to get um, swabbed or vaccinated. Mm. And, you know, that strikes me as the kind of thing that police could potentially be usefully involved in preventing, because, you know, like when Nazis have rallies and and the cops form a, like, six-person protective, protective square, yeah, they mm. could have done that for these citizens who were being threatened with violence by these protesters. But, of course, they did not. And instead, what they did do was fire rubber-coated projectiles at the crowd and gas the crowd with tear gas and pepper sprayed children. I mean, adults as well, but also children. Um Weesh. It was bad. And yeah, it seems like this is the first time that uh, Victoria Police has used these particular types of less-than-lethal rubber projectile balls. Um, uh, so I, could... I
1: think that's technically less lethal now. Sorry, you less lethal. Say, that is you, what I meant can't... to say. I
0: didn't mean to say less than, yes. Yeah. But also, hold that less lethal in heavy inverted commas, because, like, bullets aren't that lethal if you shoot people in the right place. Well, it's Anyway... Um, and, like, you know, rubber-coated bullets are still steel. Yes. Like, they're, they're a bullet. Metal. They've just got, like, a... they yeah. got a
1: little bit of rubber on them.
0: Yep. Mm. Um, like, uh, licorice bullets. They still have that <laughs> horrible scent. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so, I don't know. <laughs> I just really hate licorice. I'm sorry. Is, is it, if,
1: if you're wondering, this isn't <laughs> us laughing at police violence in any way, shape, or form.
0: Yeah, there was a lot of discourse about bringing children to rallies this week, Zach. I don't know if... Do you have any thoughts about that?
1: Oh, jeez. Well, look, yeah, I I think that the violence here was in... uh, The vast majority of the violence here was being committed by the fucking police, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they shouldn't be pepper-spraying children, and I think that that's pretty much the start and end of that sentence. Mm -hmm. Like... Violence at protests is almost 100% fucking of the time kicked off by the cops. Yeah. Like, you know,
2: is it. Well, responsible I don't actually think that's bring...
0: necessarily the case, well, in terms of kicked off. Like, I think even Tom was like, well, yeah, it looks like there were some dickheads at the rally who kind of started this. But the cops sure. were definitely like, oh, one thing happened to us. Better respond at 120%. Ex- which is their own is spraying what They were children.
1: Do. Like, yes.
0: you know. Yeah. And like a fucking tear gas. And the, the thing,
1: and look, I'll acknowledge, and I think that this has been a trend throughout these anti-lockdown protests. Mm. That you know, you're largely dealing with people here who aren't really involved in other activist movements in right, large right, part, right. and don't have the experience of dealing with cops in these contexts, and so are much more likely to do stuff that will get the shit kicked out of them by cops mm-hmm. than, say, you know, a well-organized leftist protest where you know people yeah. understand, like, you know,
0: and again. I can't encourage people enough to go and watch Tom Tanneke's videos. He's producing quite a lot. Uh, they're free on YouTube, and he also has some patron-only ones if you want to support him over there. But um, he talks a lot about, like, the people who organized these fucking rallies were deeply irresponsible. They didn't get marshals. They didn't yes. Um, d- make sure people were aware of what was going to happen. They didn't have medic teams. Because, um, as he points out, they're not interested in having an effective rally. They're interested in getting views on their live stream which they do at their rally and they get better views when it's a disorganized mess with the police
1: get yeah the shit out of people in, and you know and shit happens like <laughs> people in the crowd start literally physically attacking people who are lining up to get a COVID test yeah and which as well also i think cuts to the heart of what is so misguided about these anti-lockdown protests mm-hmm. in the sense that like there's all this anger and aggression being directed towards just like other citizens, other people, other punters who just happen to not believe the same thing as you, as opposed to the people who actually have responsibility for your well-being and are imposing these conditions on you, the fucking Mm state. And sure, they broke a couple of cop noses and I can't say that I disagree with that, but also (laughs) it's, you know, as you say, Noon, there's this like, it's, it's deeply irresponsible on behalf of the organizers, but also Hmm. like, you know, we, we complicated, I guess, or tried to introduce some nuance into the conversation about the makeup of these protests when they happened a couple of weeks ago in you know, the big one in Sydney. Mm-hmm. And like, we're careful not to sort of outright condemn everyone that was there because there are legitimate concerns wrapped up in all the garbage. Much, much harder to sympathize this week when you've got Nazis. Totally. T- <laughs> when you got Nazis and also attacking innocent bystanders, yeah, yeah. it's like okay, you've gone past the point where it's like you can balance out the garbage with the legitimate stuff. It's like it, the, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's this runaway train at this stage.
0: Yep, and uh, yeah, like to finish off the the main cop bit I guess um, I just wanted to quote uh, a basketballer named Andrew Bogut who seems like a bit of a conspiracy theorist uh, but is been quoted in a lot of articles and makes a good point um, okay. <laughs> I, I, it's funny when like a social media post becomes news but anyway this one did. Uh. but yeah so he said Food Bank Victoria yesterday shut down because of worries about it being a hot spot for coronavirus because there was a line of people wanting free fucking food but Victoria police today at the protest can have a thousand officers in the city pepper spraying, shooting people with rubber bullets they couldn't get a hundred officers directing traffic to a fucking food bank. Think about that one. Hey, look, when you're right, you're right. You know, you, you got a hand it to ISIS. Yeah. Um, but look, that's it. That the protest was really, really irresponsible. It was bad. It shouldn't have happened. And for two major reasons, Um, the first one, it could very well have been a mass spreader event that will endanger thousands or millions of people. I mean, yet to be seen. We don't know. Uh, People said the same thing about the BLM rallies and they didn't end up spreading anything so i don't want to like hyperventilate yeah, but they about this
1: specifically like an anti-mask yes
0: protest. so there are they were of very things... specific about
1: i right. spent it was, that entire day it was well day... organized uh, yeah i yeah, spent was that a entire lot of day literally breaking that crowd up into groups of 100 people yeah who were separated by like you know, dozens of meters in order totally. to abide by COVID restrictions.
0: Right, right, exactly. There were there were marshals, including you. So thank you for doing that. Um, but like, uh, you know, and and you were carrying on hand sanitizer. And fucking literally, everyone had masks. And yeah, uh, weren't it also was the Delta the Delta situation? It was like quite different. So, but anyway, we don't know yet. But that's definitely a concern. Uh, so I'll, I'll talk about that more in just one one second. The, the other thing is that it was a, a Nazi recruitment extravaganza. So. Read this first point about the, the, the spreading event and so on. I want to play this clip from Tom Taneke, who I cannot shout out excessively enough.
1: <laughs> because cops are fucking shit. They're shit dog fucking pig maggot dogs. are fucking cops. I fucking hate them. Here's a nuanced political take on cops. I hate them. Fucking maggot Dog pigs. Thanks for listening to my nuance. Please spread the message: self-restraint, not state restraint. Thank you. Which yeah, it's a it's a great clip. And the other thing that Tom talks about uh, that I've you know heard him mention as well is the idea that you know these violent, disorganized messes of protests organized by these like people mm. who are essentially washing their hands of any responsibility mm-hmm. for what happens at them. You know allow the police to then bring that more violent response to future protests. These people don't have any kind of investment in building any sort of sustainable protest movement over Mm -hmm, time. mm -hmm. It's all, you know, it's all this uh, totally short-term, self-enriching grift of garbage. At the end of the day, the people who are going to suffer are those of us who actually do go out into the streets trying to protest for good shit to happen. And the cops are going to be you know, that extra level of violent next time, because they're going to be able to point to this protest and say, look what happened last time. We need more pepper spray. We need more steel Mm -hmm. rubber coated bullets, Mm -hmm. you know? Yep. It's frustrating. It's frustrating.
0: So you might notice at the end that he said self-restraint, not state restraint, and I think this is really Tom's whole jam about this issue, and I think it needs to be the principal left-wing position, which is that it's not okay for police to be our method of preventing the spread of COVID. Uh, It Mm. can't be basically our response at any point, or shouldn't be, but it can't be... As it currently is, essentially the entire mechanism that we have for trying to enforce these COVID restrictions. What well, mm. what would work or would help significantly would be reinstating JobKeeper, uh, make JobSeeker an amount that you can actually survive on. Uh, ensure that the you know people can participate in the community while at home. Say with an effective NBN that was being provided for free. Uh, support their mental health. Say if. There were more than ten sessions available on Medicare. Uh, you know, free tertiary education so people can be learning and developing and growing and feeling like their lives have meaning, even though they have to stay in their room most of the time. Mm-hmm. And so what are you saying sure is the that...
1: direct opposite of everything that the government does yes. and has been doing? Okay. Yes. yes. Cool. Yes. Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yep. How about armed goons? Okay. Yeah. And so uh, the, the the second point. Uh, which is that it was a Nazi recruitment extravaganza. Mm. Somehow it feels like a more intractable problem, but I don't think it is because people are being driven to extremism by the failures of our government, right? Like I think mm. yep. this is a bit maybe this abstract. This is what we were getting from, at yeah. when
1: we were trying to add a bit of nuance to that conversation last time. Yeah.
0: Right. And yeah, this is maybe a, a little bit abstract from the COVID situation, but I just think liberal democracy in a lot of ways is its own worst enemy because People, like, the, the the ruling class, the parliamentary class, can't bring themselves to make the small and pretty reasonable changes that would be necessary to get people to stop complaining. Like, if we don't wow, want really, Nazis... that's a
1: very clear-eyed um, way to frame the government response to COVID. <laughs> you guys really didn't have to do that much, but you still just couldn't do it.
0: No, they couldn't. Yeah. They did it for a minute, and they were like, this is the worst thing I've ever done. We gave people a viable (laughs) amount of welfare. Scott Morrison doubling JobKeeper, like, what? (laughs) I think it would be better to completely burn, yeah, burn all of our political goodwill and kill thousands of people. Like, that would be a much better option. Like... If we don't want Nazis recruiting at anti-lockdown protests, we need to make sure that no one wants to go to anti-lockdown protests. And the way that we do that is exactly the same way that I said before. We give them good welfare and a meaningful life and access to education and community. Like, Yeah. yeah. And we only, and only had also- a couple
1: of those things last year when the anti-lockdown movement was, yeah, was basically just chumps sort of screaming into the void. Obviously, yeah. you know... A lot more time has passed since then, but it's like the, the lack of financial support is, is a really stark differentiator between the, you know, political environment now versus a year ago.
0: Yep, definitely. And look, just to finish this off, this segment went longer than I intended, but police violence radicalizes people. Well, mm-hmm. violence in general radicalizes people, but p- being targeted by police radicalizes people. And if you're at a climate rally full of socialists getting pepper sprayed and then you go to the medic team who washes your eyes out and the legal team who get information and chase it up with you you get radicalized in a progressive direction about building community and, and, and communism but if you're at an anti-lockdown rally where there's like literal fascists handing out swastika pamphlets and like punching on with cops and you're like fuck yeah those guys are the guys punching on with cops then you get radicalized to being a nazi uh, anyway, in conclusion, uh, fuck the cops, fuck the fascists, fuck the people who went to lockdown protests, fuck it all.
1: It's not a good situation. It, it definitely, yeah, mm. it's like, it's gone from bad to worse really quickly. Like I feel yep. very differently about this than I did when we discussed it last Yep. and not that much time has passed mm-hmm. and you know... The, with the accelerating rate of the fucking virus. And, mm-hmm. Oh my God. Anyway. Um, yeah. It's we're a rough, entering rough time. The, it is, it is. And you know, you say noon that there's this like, you know, one simple alternative to this would be having like positive, you know, people going and having positive rally experiences mm-hmm. with, you know, that organized by the left. Of course, no responsible movement would do that under these conditions They're in the middle of mm-hmm. a fucking mm-hmm. like, extra turbocharged, brutal variant of this global pandemic probably don't organize an enormous gathering of people. Yep. So it's this, yeah, you know, I, I feel it's the main um, lever for combating this has kind of been taken away from us.
2: But. Mm-hmm. And now it's so just yeah, it's rough.
1: cops. Yep. Just, it's just cops, cops, cops. And Nazis. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you, you may have detected we're sort of entering the grim end of the show here yeah. um so you know i guess be warned um continuing on from a kind of covid related conversation I, i'm now going to jump into our, our first nation story mm-hmm. um so last week we spoke about the huge gaps in vaccination rates between indigenous and non-indigenous populations uh where the indigenous population is flagging far behind the non-Indigenous population of vaccination rates in every state except Victoria. Mm -hmm. And the gap is particularly bad in the Western and far Western New South Wales health districts, where roughly in the far Western um, district, roughly 16% of Indigenous uh, adults are vaccinated versus 33% of non-Indigenous people are vaccinated. So, you know, it's less than half. That's quick maths. And this is obviously... You know, extra concerning because COVID, as we covered last week, had mm-hmm. spread to western New South Wales and was basically poised to enter indigenous communities and now that has happened. Uh, in a town called Wilcannia, a majority indigenous town in the northwest of New South Wales on um Barkindji country. And this they, they fall under the far western New South Wales Health District. Um, Wilcannia now has the highest rate of COVID transmission of any hotspot in New South Wales. Whoa. Like which is an eye-watering yeah. statistic. So the, it's a rate of five cases for every 100 people in a town of uh, 750 people.
0: Whoa.
1: And so they're, ex- they're like, you know, on top of that, there's this, you know, pre-existing kind of, uh, you know, awful conditions in this town. You know, a 2009 paper for, by a research team at the Jumbunet, uh Indigenous House of Learning at the University of Technology in Sydney, found the average lifespan for Indigenous men in Wilcannia is thirty six, and for women forty two. Like, oh. which is just yeah, just fucking awful. And the other reason that Wilcannia has been in the news over the last couple of years is that there's this been this intense water shortage, basically due to mismanagement of the Murray Darling. The town's mm. water supply has all were completely dried up. And for long periods, they've been relying on donated water or having to like buy bottled water. The Saturday paper reported in 2018 that some households were spending up to 60 bucks a week on bottled water. Wow. So, you know, this is already a community that is hugely disadvantaged, hugely mm-hmm. vulnerable to a health crisis. And already this week, there've been multiple stories coming out about the impact of the lack of resources There was one woman who had COVID who was turned away from the Will County Medical Service because they didn't have a ventilator. I believe the town now has one between them. Reports of COVID tests um, being taken, but they're not collected or processed. So the case numbers that we have are much likely, you know, real case numbers are much much likely higher than the official count. And there's been food shortages as well. Um, And I'm going to play a clip here from uh, Will Canyon woman Monica Wyman being interviewed by National Indigenous Television. They're treating us like we're suburban Sydney. A, a family said I got no food. They said go ring Uber Eats in Wakania. We don't even have a, you know, we're we're two hundred k's away from the nearest big community, which is Broken Hill. You know, where they have fast food and, and deliveries, food deliveries. But Wakania, if you don't you know, cook for yourself, you're going to go hungry because everything there in Wilcannia is closed by 7 o'clock. So the New South Wales government's response somewhat predictably has been to basically blame the residents of Wilcannia for this. Largely uh, their line is that, oh, this has happened because a bunch of people attended a funeral. And this is a line that has been trotted out by both the New South Wales Health Minister, Brad Hazard, and also the Deputy Premier, uh, John Barilaro. Uh, And they compared this funeral, which was attended by about 300 people, to a party that was held in Maroubra in Sydney, which has resulted in several COVID cases. And leaving aside, you know, the whole issue of New South Wales MPs criticizing people for attending a funeral in a town where people are on average dying before they hit 40. Yeah no one from Will Wilcania attending the funeral was actually breaching public health orders by doing so. Like, right. they're, they're, they just weren't in place uh, at that time for that area. John Barillero went on to claim that he was given incorrect information and said, oh, they're asking government officials why incorrect information was provided to me. So, pfft, fuck you, bro. Mm-hmm. But I want to re- read um, a long quote from The Guardian here uh, in response to this. Uh, they interviewed a Barkinji woman named Monica Kerwin. She said... I was gobsmacked gobsmacked that the minister can stand up there in front of national television rubbishing a small community. That's a disgrace. It's disgusting. And how dare he blame this on an Aboriginal grieving family in western New South Wales? Well, Kenya has been exposed to the virus through government failure, she said. Kerwin said the community asked the New South Wales government to close off their township last year, fearing COVID-19 would have catastrophic consequences for Aboriginal families in a place where housing is overcrowded and people have multiple health problems. And now the strain of this disease got more potent and crept in our community because of their negligence. Now there's police roadblocks on either side of town, but not actually when we were crying out for it a year ago. Our cries fell on deaf ears, and now Wilcania is the Mm -hmm. hotspot in the West. Which, yeah, I think basically sums it up. When the community was actually asking for government assistance, they got nothing, and now that they have an outbreak, they're being blamed by their own government for... Mm -hmm the disease being there. So the government is now sending in the ADF and emergency vax teams. And we discussed last week, you know, the issues with this approach as kind of outlined by the national Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander legal service. But, you know, having said that, thankfully vaccine rates are now rising in the town. This from the ABC, the far West local health district said vaccination rates across the region were encouraging with about 53% of residents having received their first dose district said about 55% of Wilcannia's population had now been administered a first vaccine dose with fully vaccinated numbers sitting between 25 to 30%. And, of course, that's still not the average for the area or the state right, or the right. nation, still flagging far behind. And, of course, you know, these extraordinarily vulnerable communities should have been the very first people to mm. get
0: this. And, look, I think this is also, you know, it ties into... What we're talking before about Gladys like unlocking at seventy percent? It's like, well, where yeah. you know, if we're getting close to seventy percent, but fucking these communities and these Western health districts are in these you know sixteen percent kind of range. That is literally who it is that's gonna suffer for it being yeah. open and like you know yeah. the, who is that, it that, that's that going to be making about... up their
1: remaining 30 or 20 right right you know
0: and and that thing that 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 woman that you played the clip from saying they're treating us like we're in sydney and you know you and i are both yeah just get Uber eats. latte yeah. sippers but just like the the sheer malicious incompetence that you have to have mm. to forget or pretend that this isn't a remote community or that it, it's not a unique situation or that you haven't fucking dropped the ball because this has happened. Like, yeah, gross.
1: It is. And you know, it's, it's aside from the failure of the kind of immediate government response to the pandemic here, Mm. it's, you know, it's clear that the structural Mm. disadvantage Mm. experienced by people in Wilcannia, you know, is really what has made this so kind of devastating. And you know, so much could have been done to prevent this happening. And you know, you have to tie this back, as as we always do, to the direct knock-on effects of colonization, mm-hmm. dispossession of racism. You mm-hmm. have to view this as another act of genocidal violence mm-hmm. by the state. There is no mm-hmm. other way to contextualize this politically or historically. Like, this is just another, you know, <laughs> it's another act of violence by the state yep. against indigenous people. Like, that's yep. what the failing of these communities represents. So... You know, on, on that note, there are some practical things um, that, that, that we can do in the short term to support people in Wilcannia. Um, the Marimar Health Aboriginal Corporation, which services far, far western New South Wales, is taking donations at the moment. Uh, and you can also donate food through the Wilcannia Central School. And we're going to put links to both of those, uh, to where to donate in uh, the episode description. Um, so, go down there um, if you uh, have the capacity to help out uh, and we 'll move on now to our next story fa australia uh, i 'm going to give a content warning for this story for uh, suicide and description of violence um, this is this is a really rough story, so you know we 'll put uh, time codes in the show notes for this. Um, uh, if if you want to skip over it. Uh, so this is uh, a story about uh, a man named Kaneshwaran Krishnapilai. He's a Tamil ref- refugee who died this week by setting himself on fire in the suburb of Sunshine in Melbourne, and he's survived by his wife and three children. Got a quote here from the Tamil Guardian. Kaneshwaran fled Sri Lanka as a child alongside his family after receiving threats from the Sri Lankan military. He later arrived in Australia from India by boat in 2013. So he'd been living here on a bridging visa for eight years, and he was denied a protection visa by the Australian government uh, as recently as 2018. I'm going to read a quote here from uh, a statement from the Tamil Refugee Council. The psychological suffering he has been put through by the Australian government's cruel, inhumane policies pushed him to the point where he believed he no longer had anything to live for. We have seen many refugees take their lives by suicide in Australian detention centres and in the community. Now we have the death of a family man who, like so many refugees on bridging visas, woke up every morning wondering if he would be returned to the persecution from which he fled. Kineshwaran suffered from depression for many months. Gradually, his psychological state deteriorated. Finally, he was pushed over the edge. And, Noon, I mean, this is a topic that you and I talk about a fair amount in our day to day life. The idea that, you know, mental health, the state of people's mental health, but, you know, depression specifically being, you know, not just this internal or intrinsic thing to do with fucking brain chemistry or whatever, but it's something that is imposed by material conditions. Mm-hmm. And,. You know, as the the Tamil Refugee Council makes explicit here, that mental deterioration is the fucking explicit purpose Mm -hmm. of Australia's immigration policies. Like, we know, you know, it's been said time and again that the cruelty is the point. And to reinforce that, I'm going to read a quote from The Guardian. Renegar Inpakma, a spokesperson for the council, said the debate around the refugee status of the Murugapan family from Biloela had hit hard with Krishnapalai and other Tamil refugees who feared they would be deported to Sri Lanka, especially around the comments that were thrown around during the Murugapan family, when they were being held on Christmas Island, how ministers were saying that they were going to deport Tamil refugees, which obviously struck fear in him and many Tamil refugees in the community. She said, so, you know, he's that's, 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 was the government's explicit plan, Mm -hmm. you know, by, by, you know, Trying to deport the Murugappan family. It's not just punishing them. It's punishing everybody else who's watching that story unfold. Yeah, yeah. Sending a message to all other Tamil refugees saying, we will do this to you as well.
0: Yeah. And like you've said it a few times already, but like, yeah, this has been the whole plan for our entire offshore detention thing. It's like, if you come to Australia by boat, blah, 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 you won't, et cetera, et cetera. I don't, you know... It's- feels horrible repeating even p- half of the talking points but this is what tony habit's whole thing was was like yep. yeah we're going to make this as cruel as possible so that no one thinks this is better than the fucking war torn you know country that they come from or whatever like yeah uh, like how can we make this worse than the worst possible places on earth that people are fleeing from and they how.
1: they they've succeeded yeah and there has been very little coverage of this story. Uh, you know, I, I read a quote from the Tamil guardian, which was the main source for this story. And also the guardian uh, did a piece on this as well. And there was a, a piece on SBS in Tamil about it. Those are the only major pieces of reporting that mm. I've seen on it. I heard about this um, from uh Melbourne community radio station, three CR, I think it was the Thursday breakfast show. Uh, so shouts to them for uh, picking up on this story and alerting me to it. um, and look, I think part of the reason for that, from from my perspective, this is just a you know, um, a hunch, I guess. But like, you know, this is a protest. This is a protest action. You know, mm, it's not mm. just a death by suicide. Self-immolation mm. has a, a long, long history uh, of being a protest act. You know, a mm. desperate protest act when all other methods of protest have failed to make change. Now, obviously, you know. <laughs> you have to be in a particular sort of state of mind in order to be considering that in the first place, but mm-hmm. just treating it as if it's like, you know, purely an act of, you know, hopelessness or sadness mm-hmm. or, or whatever, you know, I think isn't the whole story. Yeah. Krishna Pai was protesting. He was protesting Australia's immigration system. And he's not the first person to self immolate mm-hmm. in protest, in, pro- in protesting Australian immigration system in 2016, uh, young Somali refugee, Hoden Yassin Set herself on a fire on Nauru, and two days later, twenty-three-year-old uh, Iranian Omid Masumali set himself on fire, uh, also in Nauru. And you know, countless other suicide mm-hmm. attempts mm-hmm. that have been documented. You know, especially in offshore detention, but elsewhere in Australia's immigration detention uh, system as well. So yeah, you know, as we've been saying, and we were saying, you know, last week as well, that you know, talking about Afghanistan and that being sort of natural extension of these politics of of fear Mm -hmm. and xenophobia and racism that have, you know, been basically become the political norm over the past two decades in Australian politics. You know, these are deliberate choices, okay? (laughs) Like our government's immigration and border policies are murderous. That's no exaggeration. This is Mm -hmm. the exact result that they are designed to get This is a deliberate choice and the absolute, the absolute just fucking incomprehensible tragedy, the, 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 like the sort of inexpressible pain of an act like this, you know, it's, it's, it just, it's so fucking mind boggling to me that I don't know, you know, just wake up every day and fucking go to work and. You know, eat a sandwich and stuff and and every single day our government is deliberately mm, doing mm. this to people so it's hard to process something like this, you know i you know not to sort of center my own experience here, but the writing this story was really, really difficult, and you know i it, you want to I suppose offer some kind of productive outlet when discussing something like this, so it's not just this overwhelming horror and and pain. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to kind of finish up here by offering some, I guess, suggestions for how to respond to this. Um, And one sort of central theme here in this story is that the Australian government has been deporting Tamils back to Sri Lanka using faulty advice from the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade, which basically claims, yeah, this has been going on for a while. This advice from DFAT, basically claims that the state-sponsored torture of Tamils by the Sri Lankan government no longer happens. Uh, but a court in the UK ruled that this advice didn't list any of its sources or actually show any fucking evidence of this at all. I don't know what the circumstances were that meant that this was being ruled on in a, in a court in, in the in UK. Sure. Um, but, you know, this is a ruling that was handed down. And refugee advocates have been telling the government for years stop using this advice. Um, And so this is something that, you know, can be specifically advocated around. You can write to your MP or directly to the immigration minister, Alex Hawke, uh, you know, and tell them to stop using this faulty advice, which by the way is part of their justification for deporting the Murugappan family as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's this kind of central bureaucratic mechanism that they're using, which, you know, basically has been demolished by a court in another country already um, which can be specifically advocated around uh, and I also wanted to direct people towards the Tamil Refugee Council who I uh quoted in this uh in in this story uh follow them on Facebook and uh you know they they uh, have a bunch of great news and updates uh not just around uh Tamil refugee issues but refugee issues in general um and also lastly there has been a, a funeral fundraiser set up for the family of Kaneshwaran Krishnapalai uh, which we're going to link to in the show notes and uh, you know if, if you've got the means uh, please uh, please donate to that and and help uh, his family out All right, I might take a deep breath and uh, move on to uh, the last thing that I wanted to talk about this week.. Positivity, Uh, Yeah, apologies for the tonal whiplash there. But this is kind of a continuation, I suppose, of the thoughts and feelings that I was having whilst writing that last story. Um, I've been listening over the last week to a podcast called It Could Happen Here, which is Mm -hmm. by uh, Robert Evans, who is one of Noon and I's favorite podcasters. He does Behind the Bastards. Uh, and he was recently doing a, a narrative worst podcast year called... Worst Ever. Oh, yeah, Worst Year Ever as well. And and the narrative podcast, um, what was it called? After the Revolution, which was, it's you know... Book,
0: a novel that he wrote. It, it's yes. fun. It's not high literature, but it's fun. No,
1: yeah. uh, And, yeah, the he did the first season of It Could Happen Here a couple of years ago now. Yeah, it was when it Trump was this, elected, pretty much, yeah, I think. And it was kind of, like imagining how uh like a post-collapse America would look and a second going American into, Civil War I think yeah, ex- was the it, thing. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, how a Second American Civil War might come about and um occasional fictionalized bits as well in there. Now he's doing a, a kind of a sort of a continuation of that show now, which is taking a slightly different form, which is basically, and I promise that this is coming around to positivity in the end, but essentially it's, you know, a kind of cataloging of like all of the reasons why we are basically headed for total global societal collapse, um, almost, uh, irrevocably, um, (laughs) you know, climate catastrophe, obviously being the main driver of that. Um, but it has this real focus on what can actually be done. And Robert Evans is, Uh, really, really interested in, he's an anarchist, and he's really interested in communities coming together uh, in kind of leaderless formations in order to support each other and themselves, Uh, you know, and he talks a lot about mutual aid and gives lots of really um, exciting real-world examples of times and places where it has worked. Um, And I've found it really, really uplifting and really inspiring and so the first few episodes of this show kind of go into the issues um, and broadly sketch out, you know, what Robert Evans sees as like the solutions to, you know, basically the biggest, mm-hmm. you know, like you know, essentially to climate catastrophe and attendant sort of societal collapse. Um, but the episodes going into the future are going to be interviews with activists and, uh, and other people working on the ground, basically, who uh, have experience in building, you know, community resilience and community organizing uh, and doing mutual aid. And I'm really, really excited to listen to those episodes because I actually did get this real sense of hope and like, but in in a tangible way Mm. listening to those uh, episodes, which I think is, is tough. And, you know, we struggle in this show to find positive things to talk about. um, you know, and we like, we've offered, you know, on this show, like three different fundraisers for people Mm -hmm. to contribute to. And that's, you know, one way that you can help in an immediate sense, but obviously, you know, it's limited in scope. And so, I'm really interested in exploring and learning more about these broader, deeper, grassroots community responses to these big societal problems. And what Robert Evans does is he gives form to those, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to those ideas. He doesn't talk about them in an abstract sense. He says these are places where it's happened and where it's worked. And this is, you know, what might. My- what we might need to do in the future in order to protect our communities from, you know, from capitalism and from the state. And so I, I recommend people listening to that, diving into that, uh, if you're not already a Robert Evans fan. Uh, it's a good place to start. It's much more politically sophisticated and anti-capitalist than <laughs> the first season of It Could Happen here, in my opinion, which yeah. is was really the major flaw with that first season, I thought. And this is, you know... Yeah, I, I think he's right on the, on the money with this one. Yeah. Um, so that's something that's been bringing a little bit of light into my week. Uh, that's and so great. I that's thought really I'd nice share.
0: You know, I listened to the first season, you know, years ago. You put me on to Robert Evans and, mm. um, you know, I became a stan. But um, I just assumed that the the recent season was also... Very grim. Grim, like the first one. I imagine it's still pretty grim. But, like, uh, that, that's really nice that there's that quite deliberate and pointed... Um, Positivity, there yeah, as, well. Well, as, so, as yeah. he
1: says, it's a podcast about hope, but in order to like, you know, it's also realistic. Mm-hmm. And he does, you know, he is very, he's, he, does, he doesn't sort of mince words in terms of like how bad things are going to get, um, in his opinion. Um, and yeah, I think it's very convincing, but yeah, I, you know, it, it basically made me want to go out and uh, start uh, like a, a mutual aid organization off the Hell bat, yeah. which obviously. I'm not the right person to do that. There's several good ones that already exist and I'll just go and join them instead. Uh, But you know, that's what you want. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great place to start. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And look on on that note, um, it's something I'd love to talk about on the show a little bit more. Mm. Um, And we always, you know, we've always kind of meant to, I think sort of center activists and people who are doing good stuff a little bit more, but bringing on guests and organizing all of that is like a hassle so, uh, you know, we, it's not something that we've managed to do that much of, but I'd love to commit to that further. So if you are somebody who is involved or know someone who is involved in, you know, grassroots organizing, who's doing exciting stuff, and you'd like to come on the show and talk about it or can point us in the direction of people who you think would be interesting to hear from, yeah, totally. we'd love it's to great. know about it. Get in touch.
0: And um, also send us potlucks, um, which are much easier yes. for, to organize, uh, at least at our end, but also, you know, um, yeah, we, we love it. So please, um. Please send us your thoughts. Please, please Tell us about your cool activist organization that you're a part of.
1: Yeah, we want to know. And uh, on the note of please.
0: If you want to podcast, you got to do
1: a lot of shit. That's not technically podcasting. You still got to do that shit. Follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, but especially follow us on Twitter if you
0: don't already because Follow us on LinkedIn.
1: Follow We're creeping up towards the 1k on uh on on Twitter and I have a meme that I want to make about it. So, um help us out. Tell your friends about the show. That's yeah, a really please good do. Thing to
0: do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Everyone I mean, fucking loves podcasts. They're probably like ours. Just just tell your friends, like, hey, I've been listening to this cool show recently. It's called OzPodSnackPod. Sure, just tag us, tag us on your, your Facebook post. Ah, oh, these guys, they're, they're funny and interesting, except this week was sad, but normally it's funny. Yeah. We
1: do. Uh, well. You know.
0: Well. It's always sad. We yeah.
1: try to have a, one or two jokes per episode. Where but
0: also, going. please leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you find it possible to leave us reviews. Um, we had a couple new reviews this week.
1: Yeah, we got a five-star review from Lentigenous who says, "They sound hot. Good nice. sense and wholesome. Especially love the First Nations good news segment." Love heart. Thank you so much Lentigenous.
0: Sorry, it's not always a good news segment, but Yeah, not yeah.
1: Or, not mm-hmm. always.
0: And we also got one from Liv C, five stars. Great lefty political commentary and content. Hey team, just started listening to your podcast. I really appreciate the solid analysis of fucked things that are happening in the world and in Australia. Also love how you tell everyone who does something dumb like vote against safe zones around abortion clinics to get fucked. Please keep the updates about your dogs at the end. I'm living through them vicariously because I can't see my border collies who are at my parents' house during lockdown. Aww. That's, that's, that's sad, sad but... Liv. By the way, Liv, did we used to work together at Friends of the Earth? Or a different Liv C. see. Anyway, hey, what up? Either way, thanks for <laughs> the review. Thanks for listening. And, I'm, you know, I hope you get to see your doggos soon.
1: I do as well. And lastly, you already know, but we've got a Patreon. You can sign up for as little as $1 a month and you get a monthly bonus episode. This week we listened to Tony Abbott's new podcast and, you know, we should on Tony Abbott for an hour. It's, yeah. it's, it's fun. Um, it's pretty good. Sling us that buck, get your bonus episodes, get into get the, in the discord, discord, give us more money uh, and you can suggest topics for the bonus episodes.
0: While we're in the P zone, I just want to also P the in fact the that nope. we're in the pl- the plug zone, sometimes known affectionately as the P zone. And I wanted to P to plug my Twitch stream. I've been, I've been I've been streaming games on Twitch. I've Been playing Hades. Been playing Go. Been reading theory. Might be reading some more theory. Got a lot of people turn up to to read some Freud on Fridays. So it might might do more reading. Uh, Twitch TV forward slash Noon Plays Games. I'm there a couple of days a week. Uh, smash that follow button. All
1: right. Alright. Now it's time for a update. So, you know, when it comes to comedy, I have a mm-hmm. a maxim, a, a motto,
2: mm-hmm. a
1: philosophy, if you will, which is never leave the easy gag. You know, the obvious joke comes up. Some people they try to stay classy; they don't, they don't jump in for it. You know, I say, "Fuck mm-hmm. that!" Mm-hmm. Somebody's gonna make it. May as well be you. I feel like Dante has a very similar attitude, except it's mm-hmm. not never leave the easy gag, it's never leave the gross or cheeky thing.
0: I see. If yeah, there's yeah. an opportunity if you for him It would be a big gross nuisance. Why would you pass d- that up? Don't don't leave it lying there. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And <laughs> this is like, you know Wanna give him a certain amount of slack in order to prove that he doesn't always do the naughty thing? Uh, and it just blows up in my face pretty much every time. So <laughs> we uh, Holly's doing a bit of a, um, a rearrange of the living room at the moment. And she sold our bookcase, uh, in order to replace it with a different one to spruce up the room, which is cool. And so the bookcase got taken away and, you know, leaving basically just this enormous, really like thick, a rectangle. disgusting patch of dust yeah yes yeah like yeah. really thick dust from right. under underneath the, the the bookshelf and i was sitting on the couch reading a book and dante kind of sort of casually noses his way into the room uh-huh and he starts sort of making his way over to the dust patch and i've got one eye on him like
0: <laughs> i see where this is going
1: i uh, you know is something going to happen like you know he doesn't look that intent on it so maybe he'll just Give it
0: a sniff and move on. I'll give him the benefit of the
1: doubt. And he kind of went over to the dust patch (laughs) and started sort of sniffing around it. And I was like, okay, well, I guess nothing particularly bad has happened yet. And then as soon as I turn back to my book, he starts licking up the dust. (sighs) Like just straight licking it, this thick grime off the floor, leaving <laughs> t- t- paw prints in the dust. Oh, like, you know, the dust is bloody. mixing with his saliva and turning into this fucked up, like, mud. And, you know, I have to be like, get the fuck up, like, what are you doing? Stop licking the <laughs> <Why> dust!
0: <laughs> I think that was a good idea?
1: And there's get nothing, out of the... <laughs> there's no way that tastes
0: room. good. Yeah.
1: Anyway, that's the last time I let him innocently wander over dainty. to a thick carpeting of dust, I guess. Is another thing that I have to add to the list of like in my Absolutely mental list not. of like yeah like <laughs> things you have to immediately stop Dante going near is yeah. dust. Great, excellent.
0: Well, my my bagel update is also quite irritating there's a lot of stuff that bagel tries to do that he knows that he shouldn't do and one of those things is peeing on people's houses (laughs) oh i think you're gonna say
1: peeing on people houses is fine don't think pees on
0: people he started trying to pee on me recently i don't know if it's a punishment (laughs) for something or if it's just like convenient not thinking about his aim but he'll just kind of like you know go up to a pole lift the leg but just kind of like uh, the angle, degree angle just
1: happens to end up right on, on my leg
0: yeah exactly yeah good job oh, bagel. a
1: little innocent bagel he got a bit of wee on noon oh
0: yeah this was a white picket fence and i was there's gonna be a big urine sp- don't do it man there's a tree literally you could pee on that tree less than a meter to your <laughs> left to- but i i sort of i Stepped forward to try and get between him and the fence, which is because you know, so that'll like pull him by the leash, mm. uh, which is not good, no uh, idea. not, not ideal. This was also not ideal because I twisted my foot, rolled over my ankle, and then smooshed the bag of poo that I was holding onto the fence. Dog ownership
1: is just a series of fucking joys. Every day yeah. holds Harold some new fucking lovely experience. Yeah, and,
0: it? and so, you know this was a couple days ago. My foot's significantly better this morning, but yesterday it was quite sore, and I was like hobbling oh, around, geez. and I couldn't take Bagel for proper walk. We went for like five minutes around the block, but it was you know. And so he's like really fucking edgy and bored, and just just a giant fucking nuisance. I'm like, bro, this, you did this. The, you, this is your. F- come on you're mad at me that i sprayed my ankle because you peed on a house anyway yeah so that's that's what's been going on with bagel he's all right other than that aren't you mister he's been very popular on stream as well everyone everyone loves a bit of bagel cam oh that's nice so,
2: yeah oh you know right. i forgot i oh you yeah.
1: mentioned um uh you know needing to give bagel a little bit of a pull sometimes and i forgot yeah. to mention that i got fucking dressed down by a middle-aged white woman in, in an suv the other day I was out walking Dante, uh-huh. and I was crossing the road, and this SUV's coming towards us, and I kind of looked down to my side and realized Dante's not next to me, and he's actually lagging behind on the road, sniffing at nothing. Yeah. And I kind of was like, fuck, get off the
0: road, and I like, pulled yeah, his leash. Yeah, give him a little and tug, look, yeah. not my finest moment. I gave him a yank. I'll, look, but, but also, look, it's not. it's not like... Horribly cruel. Dante is a powerful beast. He's got a thick neck. He's he's fine. And you know, bagel and, you know, I got him, he on, on, him a, a got on a harness. It's not exactly. A it's not on the throat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, and like it, you know, it's just not nice. It's not a nice de- vibe tugging a dog around.
1: It's a it's a vibe thing. You know, it's a vibe thing. It's not nice. And yeah. but like you know, I got a scare. This this SUV was coming, I thought Dundee do was next to me, turned up on the Better a little tug on
0: the dumpy yeah. than uh hit with a car. Yeah.
1: That's what I figured. Anyway, I kept walking down the road. This <laughs> yeah. SUV goes a couple blocks down, stops, idles for a minute, does a U-turn, comes back up the street, and the woman winds what her window fuck? down and is like, Excuse me. Any reason why any reason why you're pulling your dog's leash? And I like chose in that moment. I took a deep breath and chose to respond politely, which I think took the wind out of her sails. And I was like, I was scared because I thought my dog was next to me and he was on the road. And I'm always worried about him because he's reactive and jumps at cars uh-huh. and stuff. And I wanted to make sure that he was safe. And uh-huh. you know, we spend a lot of time training and doing heaps of work together. This wasn't my best moment. I'm sorry. You had to see that. And she was like, Oh, well, thanks for explaining that to me and sort of drove <laughs> off. <laughs> I was like, you have no idea. No mate. fucking idea. You got like, no fucking the, idea how much of my life is spent taking care of this fucking demon. <laughs> okay?
0: There there's someone who lived around here who I think wasn't, you know, well, I think you know, yeah, um sure. so I couldn't bring myself to really resent them for doing this, but it would every time I saw them or I think every time they saw any dogs. I th- I think I encountered them having the same conversation elsewhere. Mm-hmm. They would scream from a couple meters away don't leave your dog in your car with the windows shut. It can die. Right. You could right. kill your dog. And there's like screaming at full volume as if I was currently choking yeah. bagel to death in a car. Um, Neglecting and the of, fact
1: that you do not and can never drive. <laughs> yeah,
0: the advice is not relevant to me. No. Um, not but, only in <laughs> a car. Uh, but just like, I guess that's kind of a reasonable thing to remind someone of or to be worried about happening, but also mm. don't, Scream at my very dog. Does it need to be dog. screaming? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like Dante is maybe a little bit better for the, the on-street encounters, but like... Well, no! People he, very politely he was actually, saying, he got really hey, weak excuse down. me. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, he does Like, whenever I speak to anybody on the street, he starts to get it's really like weird and...
0: disaster, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. What's going on? A new person? Ah! Um, although... It wouldn't...
0: It's annoying, because it's like, it's not safe for me to explain to you that what you've done is far worse than what I've done.
2: <laughs> In expressing <laughs> or, your
0: concern about it, it's just drastically more traumatic slated. than... Yeah. yeah. Anyway. anyway, now I have to
1: Where's... watch for this woman every time I'm out on walks. Like, is she, is she there marking off my fucking walking uh-huh. stats? She's got a little clipboard. She's that on That was patrol. only
0: 23 minutes. <laughs> do, you, do you care about your dog's
1: exercise? Uh, to, okay, well, look. Because it'll only be a 23 minute walk because yesterday he jumped at a bird and strained my shoulder. And now I have back pain. And I just want to go to again. Anyway. That's Let's enough of us. Show. Thank it's you very much for tuning in. Bagel. Yeah. But look, people like the dog talk. They do. It's one of, of the most heard. consistent comments that we get is people yeah. like pup dates. It's just that by the time that we get to this segment, usually we've discussed some of the most heinous and psychologically damaging things that we've looked mm-hmm. at in the week. So, you know, but anyway, <laughs> thanks for tuning into our comedy show. And um we really appreciate all the support, the reviews, everybody signing up on Patreon. We've been getting quite a few listens for last week's episode, which is yeah, awesome. So great. if you're a new listener, thank you and welcome. And oh my god, I can't believe you actually listened to this full 90-minute episode. Well done. Uh but we'll catch you next week for more news and politics and, and crispy memes. Until then, keep on snacking in the free world.
0: Buck cops, crunch crunch.